0: Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. International Women's Day has passed, but in our little world here on What She Said, every day is Women's Day, and that's because women deserve more than a day to be celebrated. So needless to say, the party continues here every week with amazing women from across the country who are making a difference in so many lives. Here's what's coming up today. Having female role models in different fields and positions of power can increase representation and diversity. When women see other women in leadership roles, they are more likely to believe that they too can achieve those positions. This is why I'm so pleased to have Senator Gigi Osler join me today to discuss her new role in Canada's Senate and how she is managing her other roles as an internationally renowned surgeon and assistant professor. Wedding season is here, and finding the perfect venue is top of mind for many would-be brides and grooms. Thankfully, Angela Risi from the Doctor's House, one of Canada's top wedding venues, is here to share her tips for choosing the perfect location for your wedding day. Anne Brody is in, and we jump right into Season 3 of Ted Lasso, which we're both thrilled to see the return of. Plus a look at the sweet comedy-drama I Like Movies, based on the experience of filmmaker Chadler Levack, who worked at Blockbuster. Cheryl Fennell and April Allen join me to share details about Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs, a trusted and secure e-commerce platform that celebrates and showcases Canadian Indigenous fashion designers and artists that create authentic, high-quality, handcrafted, seal fur and leather products such as accessories, footwear, clothing and home decor. At a time when corporate greed is running amok, it's nice to know that socially conscious businesses that give back to their communities still exist. That's why I know you'll want to hear more about Love is Warm, the first socially conscious winter coat company. Founder Jordan Britton joins me to share more about this company that provides one coat to a Canadian need for every coat purchased. Finally, we're closing out this week's show with Surrey BC native Alexis Lynn, an Indigenous singer-songwriter who crafts deceptively sweet pop anthems that never shy away from her ethos of honesty and empowerment. She is here to discuss her latest album and share the single Something to Prove with Us. It's another full week at what she said with interviews that empower, educate and entertain. So let's jump in right now on 1059 The Region. Yeah.
1: Right now. Everyone
0: A this interview with Senator Gigi Osler was pre-recorded in February ahead of the Government of Canada's ban on TikTok on government devices. Senator Osler's TikTok is now gone, but you can find her on Twitter and Instagram. We're all smart enough to know that women can't have it all by now, but my next guest is pretty darn close. Dr. Gigi Osler is a renowned surgeon, assistant professor at the University of Manitoba, Canadian senator, TikTok sensation to name but a few of her many accomplishments. Senator Osler joins me now to share details about her new Senate role and what her top priorities are in her new role. Welcome to the show,
2: Thanks for having me on and you know before we get into this I just want to disavow anyone who's listening to the notion that I am some kind of superwoman who does it all and does it all flawlessly. I have a lot of roles and titles and yes I am now a senator. I am also a doctor. Uh, I'm a mom but my two kids are grown. I'm a wife. Uh, and there have been times where it has been hard to balance it all out, and I don't even like to use balance, but it's been hard to do it all, but I've never done it all on my own. I, I, you know, struggled with a lot of guilt when my kids were younger. You know, they were always the last kids that I, if it was my day to pick them up from school, they were always the last kids in the playground. Um, you know, I, I missed things because I had to work, or I was on call, or I was out of town on a meeting. Um, so, you know, all of that mother guilt, all of that baggage, I still have. I, I relied on a lot of support systems. I relied on family. I, you know, sometimes I'd be running late and I'd have to call a friend and say, you know, can you look after my kids or can you pick them up from school? Because I'm running late. Um, you know, I think everything that we all do to get through our day is exactly what I did. So, I uh, you know, I bought, you know, when it was my kids' turn to bring in treats for their class, I never, I couldn't bake. You know, I never <laughs> had the time. I would go to Safeway and I would buy the two bite brownies and I would send them to school with that. And felt guilty about doing that. Um, But, you know, Candice, I just want to say it was a very kind introduction. Um, But I I have to be very honest with people. I'm no superwoman.
0: But I love that you came right out and said that. That's important for women to hear because you can't, two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can be an inspiration and you also can be very honest about what it means to hold this many positions in your life. And so I want to talk about your role, your new role, um, as a mm-hmm. senator. Now, we recorded a longer podcast. I encourage everybody to go mm-hmm. over and listen to that. But this is, you are, you refer to yourself as a baby senator.
2: My appointment to the Senate was at the end of September. I was sworn in. In on October 18th. So, I like to joke that I'm a baby senator. I'm only four months old. And especially coming from healthcare, so I'm a, a physician, a surgeon by training, coming into the Senate, it is just this fire hose of new information, a um, whole different world, whole different procedures. Uh, I pinch myself every single day that I am in that Senate chamber listening as people debate legislation on changing the Judges Act. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, my medical school training has helped me because I'm used to trying to read and synthesize a lot of information in a short period of time, but it's entirely new and entirely overwhelming and entirely exciting all at the same time. Um, You know, just trying to learn this new role so that I can – do it to the best of my ability
0: was there anything that truly surprised you about stepping into this new role
2: (laughs) well getting the role or you know getting the (laughs) appointment in the first place when um i received an email in um august from the prime minister's office so that's sort of the final step in the appointment process you uh have a conversation with a prime minister. And so I got this email saying, you know, dear Dr. Osler, uh, would you have t- some time later today to speak with a prime minister? And it was lunchtime. I was seeing patients today, but I was, you know, I was at my office and I looked at my phone and I dropped it and I went, oh, because I knew what that call was going to be about. That was probably the biggest surprise out of all of this. Um, everything is new. Everything's overwhelming coming to Ottawa, figuring out how the Senate works but i think it was just that day that was probably the biggest surprise because it was just it wasn't something i'd ever dreamed dreamed i would be doing
0: now as you said you're you're new to this role but i imagine you are establishing priorities things you want to accomplish in this role can you share a couple
2: well you know coming from health and healthcare and you know anyone who has Picked up a newspaper or listened to the radio or had to go see their doctor or tried to get in to see their nurse practitioner or gone to the emergency department or is waiting for surgery, knows how much strain the healthcare system is under. And so I think that is natural focus for the work that I do as a as a senator coming from healthcare. I'm still trying to figure out the how and and how that can be done and certainly it's not something I would do on my own, you know, working in conjunction with the House of Commons, with the ministers, the different departments. Um, I'm a feminist as well so how can I ensure that my presence here in the Senate um, continues to stand up for women's fundamental rights, uh, reproductive rights as a fundamental right, access to healthcare remains a right for us as Canadians. Um, So I think I have multiple areas where I want to work. Many of them overlap, many of them are intersectional, uh, while at the same time making sure that I'm well-versed on all of the bills and legislation that comes through the Senate so that I can contribute my voice
0: so my listeners might not know this, but you are on TikTok and you share a lot of information. You share a lot of information there and it's funny and lighthearted and serious. How do you come up with all the ideas? Do you have somebody helping you with these videos? Because this seems like a big job as well.
2: So to the listeners, Candice is being far, far too generous with her description of my little videos on TikTok. Um I've been on that platform for a number of years, and I started off in the early days of the pandemic, so early 2020, really trying to share information about the virus, information about public health, because so much was unknown about the virus at that stage. Since then, it has morphed, and I really try to provide information that is, I say, educational, engaging, some may uh, dispute that, but, um, and entertaining Um and so much of the information that I present now is on health, on health care, and to share some of the work that I'm doing about, uh, I hate to say the word politics, but politics, my work here in the Senate. And it really is, I'm hoping to be a channel in which I can help inform people, not just about the Senate, but the legislative process in Canada, healthcare issues in Canada, and health in general.
0: And I love that you're doing this because, uh, you know, I've watched some of your video- videos about how the set it operates. And I have to admit, I've forgotten a lot of that from, you know, my schooling. So it is a good refresher to know how this all works.
2: Agree. And and again, she's being very generous when she's describing how my TikToks work. But, you know, it's it's an interesting platform to try to think, how can I deliver some information in a 15 second clip? or a 30-second clip, or a one-minute clip. So it does force you to be creative in what you want to say and how you're going to say it and keep people engaged. And, you know, I, like you, I'm thinking back, oh, you know, Canadian history class. Oh, okay, you know, think about that. But um, I think it's important if some of these social media platforms are where people are getting more and more of their information, how can we make sure that, Information on that platform is um, evidence and science-based if it's healthcare-related, or you know how can I help inform people about how your government works, how are bills passed, how can you be aware of what the government is debating right now, whether it's in the House or in the Senate. Well,
0: I can't thank you enough for joining me uh, today on the radio show and on uh, the podcast we recorded. I want people to be able to find you, keep up with you in the various places you are. Uh, where would you like them to do that?
2: Well, as a senator, the Senate does maintain a, a web page, which has our photo and bio and some contact information, so an email address, uh, phone, so people can always look my up and I don't know the full website off the top of my head Uh, but honestly if you google my name and Senate of Canada something will show up Uh, I'm on different social media platforms so you know if you look up Dr. Gigi Osler on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok you will find me there
0: all right uh this is the part where I'm going to trip over myself because I'm going to say thank you for joining me Senator
2: Dr. Osler thank you for having me on (laughs)
1: In
0: this next segment, we're taking a look at one of life's most memorable occasions, weddings. Whether you're planning a grand celebration or an intimate affair, getting married can be both exciting and overwhelming. That's why today, wedding expert Angela Risi is joining me. Angela helps create dream weddings at the Doctor's House in Kleinberg, Ontario, one of the most beautiful wedding venues in the country. With over 20 years of experience in the wedding industry, Angela has helped numerous couples create their dream wedding and make unforgettable memories. She joins me now to discuss what you need to know when it comes to finding the perfect venue for your wedding. Welcome to What She Said, Angela.
4: Good morning, thank you for having me.
0: I imagine after the last three years, there's probably a lot of people rushing to now have their big dream wedding. So how far in advance should couples start searching for the perfect wedding venue?
4: Uh, I would say between 12 and 18 months. uh, This would give the couples ample time to shop and compare both the venues, what they have to offer, and their wedding packages. What factors should couples consider then when choosing a wedding venue? Well, you know in making their their ch- couple's checklist i think the three most important factors would definitely be uh does the venue have the ambiance uh to complement the vision that they have for their wedding uh for example is the venue more rustic is it romantic is it glitzy or is it glam uh, can it accommodate the preferred guest count that you have um, some venues are geared towards the small intimate wedding uh, and others, big, beautiful, and grand. And then budget. Obviously, uh, that is the most one of the most important things for couples. Does it fall in line with the budget you are comfortable with? Does the venue incorporate everything that you need it to be uh, within its packages? I mean, I've been online. I've
0: looked at the doctor's house and it's it's breathtaking. It's beautiful. So I imagine there's a lot of competition, though between venues Mm -hmm. like yourself Uh, so 12 to 18 months is that you know is that reasonable for somebody like the doctor's house
4: uh, well, you know what, we've, we're we able to pull something together with, uh, you know, weekday dates, Friday, Sunday, uh, our Saturdays, obviously, uh, super popular, but we've got a great team. And we have three uh, spe- special sized uh, venues so we can accommodate. So we could try to put something together for you within that uh, six month window. Uh, but normally, uh, I would recommend the 12 to 18. Okay, just to get that preferred season that you have or you, that you want. So if
0: we're going out then, and I, you know, young bride and groom, they're going out and they're looking at different
4: venues, should they ask the same questions of each venue so that they can compare apples to apples? Uh, most definitely. Uh, I think probably the most important question is, you know, what's included in your in your pricing packages? Does it include any additional fees? Uh, you know, gratuities, parking, premium bar option? Does it have an event coordinator, co check, complimentary tasting? You know, the list goes on and on. But definitely, a list would serve them well. Um, you know, are you able to do ceremony on site? Does it include um photo permit? Uh, The current trend is to have ceremony and photos on site. This way the couple and their guests don't have to travel between a ceremony space and a reception space. Uh, Couples should be looking for a photogenic wedding venue. Um, The doctor's house has stunning backdrops in every corner of their gardens. So this eliminates the need to go to off-site to take photos. And then you want, to, you want to know about the food. Everyone wants their tummies and their guests to be happy. Uh, you know, what do the executive chefs offer in their, in their wedding packages? So to me, those are the kind of the three uh, important questions. Should be on everybody's list.
0: So when you go to the venue, then how do you make the most of that venue visit to really
4: understand what the experience would be like on your wedding day? i think it's important uh to do research on the venue in advance of your visit and prepare questions uh so this way all the things that are that you're thinking of uh are are answered during that tour uh follow the venues on social media instagram and it's super important to see what other uh, couples that have already been married there what they said about the venue it's it's a nice way to uh just really envision your day i remember many 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 years ago when i was
0: getting married uh, i had trouble deciding between which venue because you know i had three great ones to choose from and i really struggled do you have any advice for people who are struggling
4: with that decision i think um you know couples need to pull out their their list at the end and see which uh venue um was most transparent in providing the detailed information and answered the questions that needed to be answered. And to me, it's all about the last impression, who left me with the best lasting impression.
0: All right, wonderful. Well, for my listeners that are outside of Ontario, I hope this advice has been helpful. But for my listeners who are in your area, it's worth noting you have a great Mother's Day event coming up and it would be a great opportunity to check out the venue,
4: right? We do. We have uh, back by popular demand is our Mother's Day brunch. It's being held on uh, Sunday, May 14th. Um, it is amazing. Uh, couples are already calling and families are uh, RSVPing. It's hundred and five dollars a person, but it's well worth it. You will not be leaving hungry.
0: All right. Incredible. That actually sounds like a great way to check out the venue with your family. Really. I love that. Um, Okay. So Angela, thanks so much. Where can people find out more then uh,
4: about the doctor's
0: house specifically?
4: Yeah, please visit our website at www.thedoctorshouse.ca. It'll guide you through our venue. You can visit us on WeddingWire as well and see our virtual tour. Or you can contact me anytime at Angela at I'm always available to answer any questions. Thank you so much for joining me today, Angela. Thank you.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Joining me now with what's new in entertainment is Ann Brody and this week I'm so excited because the first thing we're going to talk about is my favorite TV show Let's Talk Ted Lasso Ann
5: Oh my god it's such a dream show it just it just overshadows every show I ever, ever made except Lucy and Seinfeld So this season starts off with a bang now as you know Nate has abandoned the team to go to uh, Rupert to work for West Ham So the guys are being bullied in the media just really severe zingers. And so Ted takes them on an inspirational tour of the sewers, the London sewers. He takes them underground. He says, you know, like the sewers, you're all interconnected with one another. It's just poopy, let it flow. <laughs> and it transforms them. So they go back to, and they start working with a fresh point of view. And this is a kind of unexpectedly hilarious, easygoing kind of situation comedy that this is. It's bracing wit and dialogue is just unparalleled today, in my opinion, and yours. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, his team is enchanted with Ted. Ted never is, behaves in an evil, overbearing, or negative way. It's positivity. You know, Southern charm kind of thing, um, but with a modern twist. I, you know,
0: I, I, I think part of the reason I love that show so much is that every character is so great. They're so fully developed. Yes. yes. And watching them grow and evolve through the show has been just such a pleasure. It's just ah, oh, fantastic it, writing, and I'm glad they're ending it at season three. It's not going to get the opportunity to jump the shark like a lot of shows. Yeah.
5: And you know what I like really so much about it is each of these people I feel I know somehow and I just enjoy being with them. It's it's a thing of beauty. Ted Lasso season three.
0: Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Uh, Tell me then the next one we've got is I Like Movies, a comedy (laughs) drama about a high school cinephile.
5: Yeah, you know he's he loves movies. He's a he's a little chubby. He does nothing but sit in his basement and watch movies and annoy his mother and annoy his and insult his best and only friend. Um, that's all he seems to need. He can't pay his bill at the local video store. This is you know years ago, so he gets a job there, and um, he's telling them what films are all about. He, he's a real phenomenon in terms of his knowledge and uh, his his seeming maturity but there's really this hurt kid underneath uh, so I mean he tells his best friend that he's only a place setter friend until someone better comes along and he's not even teasing he just says that and yet there's something about him that's just so appealing and then the store is under threat and they have to save it it's based on the experiences of uh, Chandra Levak who lived, who worked at Blockbuster as a teenager. She's from Brampton, and it's just a joyous, wonderful film that'll lift your spirits.
0: All right, is that in theaters or can we catch That's it in streaming? In theaters, yes, indeed. In theaters, excellent. All yeah. right, uh, you also have Woman Woman of
5: a Photograph. Women of the photographs. This is pretty interesting. Um, a man who in in Tokyo who does retouches for women constantly. He's a, a gorgeous woman comes in and she wants this 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 and this done to her photograph. A guy's watching and he he says to the owner later, "Why do you have to remake this beauty?" And said, "Oh, I'm not surprised." Shows him a box of pictures of before and afters of these gorgeous women being you know readjusted so he's an insect photographer as his hobby he's out in the jungle and a model falls out of the tree a model and dancer she's stunningly beautiful she's a social media influencer she was trying to get a picture it didn't work well she attaches herself to him because she doesn't really have any friends she has a ton of followers but no friends and then she's told that she's lost her job as an influencer because she always looks so perfect and she's losing viewers because of it. So she does have this big cut on her chest from falling out of the tree and she decides to emphasize it and her followers come back and it kind of gets worse and worse and worse. But it's again, it's an important statement on many, many things, include uh, body dysmorphia, social media, uh, women's concerns about where they fit in. Very, very interesting. So you know, it's uh, in Japanese with English subtitles. It's really worth it. Woman of the photographs.
0: All right. Uh, where can we catch that?
5: That is on TVOD. Grab All it up. right.
0: And we're going to wrap this up quickly. We got a few seconds left here. We're going to talk about a human rights festival.
5: Yeah, the 20th annual in Toronto. And listen to this. All the tickets are free, whether for the digital beginning March 13th or the in-person at hot Docs, uh, Ted Rogers, uh, cinema, which begins on the, um, 11th, 8th, sorry. And on my column, I have little tidbits of each of the films of the major films, including one freedom on fire, Ukraine's fight for freedom, which has been updated to be this Canadian premiere. And the discussion after the screening is being led by Lisa Laflamme in, in, uh, honor of international women's day there's so much great material at the hot uh, hot dogs at the human rights watch film festival at hot dogs theater
2: all right
0: thank you so much ann you'll be back next week with more
5: and you'll tell me how you like ted lasso oh i can't wait
0: Indigenous Crafts and Designs is a trusted and secure e-commerce platform that celebrates and showcases Canadian Indigenous fashion designers and artists that create authentic, high-quality, handcrafted seal, fur, and leather products, such as accessories, footwear, clothing, and home decor. Regarded for their skill and creativity, Pick and D fashion designers and artists combine traditional sewing techniques to create contemporary seal products for the modern market. Joining me now to share more are Cheryl Fennell and April Allen, two of the amazing designers who share their designs through Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs. Welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you for having us. Thank you. So can you tell me a little bit about Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs and the work that you do?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So as you mentioned, uh, Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs is an e-commerce platform um, that celebrates and showcases Canadian, uh, indigenous fashion artists and designers. Um, we have many artists and designers on our platform who create authentic, high quality, handcrafted, and, um, seal fur leather products, such as accessories, footwear, clothing, um, and home decor, um, Artists combine traditional sewing techniques to create contemporary seal products for the modern market and um, purchases from the Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Design Platform, support Indigenous artists and provide customers with a guarantee that they are buying a natural, eco-friendly, high quality and authentic um, seal product. And you can visit our uh, platform at proudlyindigenouscrafts.com.
0: What about people, though, who might have concerns about cultural appropriation when wearing Indigenous artwork? Uh, can you speak to why your products are not a form of cultural appropriation?
7: That's a really good question, Candice, and it's one that many people ask. We explain to them that cultural appropriation refers to the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption and use of one group's cultural elements by another, and that that's different from appreciation. For example, indigenous people love and invite non-indigenous people to wear their designs. This is appreciation, not appropriation. The artist who made the work is really happy that you appreciate their work, and they're happy that their culture and tradition is appreciably thriving and surviving. People can find Indigenous products in reputable galleries or in other retailers, and we invite you to go in there and find them. And as well, we've recently been in two different fashion shows uh, to be able to educate people about our, our beautiful crafts and the seal. We were in Winnipeg Kamayak Gallery in November, and about a month ago, we were at the Northern Lights Festival in Ottawa. And we were able to showcase all our beautiful designs on two different runways. As artists working within proudly Indigenous crafts and designs, we do not try and compete with each other. We actually mutually respect the work that each one does. And, the, and we're always looking forward to see what other contemporary design using traditional elements is this artist going to post on Proudly Indigenous next. So we invite you to check out the, the website and to see the shop and, and find something that you feel that
6: you would like to wear.
0: Tell me about the importance of the seal harvest in the Arctic then and how it supports Indigenous communities and creators.
6: Yeah, so... Um, seal hunting and harvesting have been an important part of Inuit community's way of life in the Arctic for thousands of years. Um, in the Arctic region, the seal harvest provides a critical source of protein and other essential nutrients, uh, which are scarce in the harsh and remote Arctic environment. Um, seal meat, fat, and organs are rich in vitamins, minerals, and omega-3 fatty acids, Um, which are necessary for maintaining good health, especially in the long, um, dark winter months. So in Canada's north, where store-bought meat is expensive, um, a single seal can provide the equivalent of $200 or more worth of meat to a family and a much higher level of nutrition. Besides providing a source of sustenance, um, the seal hunt also plays a significant role um, in the cultural and social life of Inuit communities in the Arctic. Um, Hunting seals and processing their meat, uh, skins, and blubber is a traditional skill passed down from generation to generation. Um, Every part of the animal is relied upon to sustain all aspects of life. In addition to being a crucial aspect of Inuit culture, the seal hunt also supports the local economy. Inuit artisans and craftspeople create a variety of products from seal materials, um, including jewelry, clothing, mitts, boots, and other traditional items. Remote communities have fewer economic opportunities, and the cost of living is very high. Um, The sale of these products provide an important source of income for Inuit communities, which help support our local economies. And our traditional hunting practices are sustainable, humane, and vital for our survival.
0: So then how do you incorporate traditional sewing techniques into creating contemporary seal products for the modern market?
7: So I hand and machine sew my seal skin uh, fashions, and I use satin, and I use other materials to work with it as well. No, I, The way that I incorporate traditional ideas and materials is that I have learned from my grandparents how they made um, clothing to not just reflect the beauty of the world, but also to survive. So my grandfather was a trapper. So he, my grandmother would make him gauntlet mitts with fringes. The fringes were not just there for... Beauty. They were there to repel the snow from the glove when he was using his dog team. And the, the beating on that reflected the fact that an elder once told me everything in the, in, above in the sky is reflected in the earth. And this is what she, how she represented that and educated the kids that, they're, that we're one. The indigenous worldview is that we're one. And so when I make items, I incorporate those items into my designs then people will, why do you have a fringe on that beautiful cashmere top with seal and whatever beading? And I'll tell them the story. And then they learn about it. And I, I look for more ideas that I can incorporate into contemporary design.
0: I, I think that some people will be listening, um, April, and they'll, they'll, you know, it's that thought of the seal. So how do you ensure that the seal harvest is done with respect and care for the animals and the environment? And I honestly feel like this is a bit of a silly question because I can't think of a group of people who care more about the environment than Indigenous people, but let's, let's share it anyway.
6: Of course, of course. Thanks, Candice. Inuit have a long and rich history of hunting seals for food, uh, clothing, and other necessities. We have de- developed a deep understanding of the animals and the environment we live in and have a great deal of respect for both. Um, to ensure the seal harvest is done with respect and care for the animals and the environment, Inuit have developed a set of traditions and practices that have been passed down from generation to generation. One of the most important practices is to only hunt what is needed. Inuit hunters do not hunt for sport or pleasure, uh, but rather only hunt what is necessary for their survival. All food is shared with elders and community members. Um another important practice is to use every part of the animal. The meat is eaten, The skins are used for clothing and shelter. Seal oil is both used as a source of food um, and uh, fuel. And the bones and other parts are used as tools and other purposes. So nothing goes to waste. Um, And it would have a deep spiritual connection to the animals and the environment. And we believe that the animals are gifts and they must be treated with respect and gratitude. We view the seals as important sources of food and resources, and we believe that Our hunting practices are necessary to maintain the balance of nature.
0: I hope people are going to run over and check out your website afterwards. But what do you see as the future of Indigenous fashion? And how do you hope to contribute to it through your work at Proudly Indigenous Crafts and Designs?
7: Seal skin is what a non-Indigenous designer I know calls the honest fabric. You can create almost anything with it. You can use it like fabric as long as you know what you want to make and how to work with it. I have created fashion that is wearable and also is art. So every piece of my fashions that I make now has art on it, but it's also art, piece of art, the way it's constructed. So it's truly wearable art. It, you could you could hang it up. I have hung up a skirt with art on it from elders uh, that, that they designed. So the future of indigenous fashion is hard to predict, but I think it that if anyone were able to see into the future they would see unique, beautiful designs that are meaningful that represent the the knowledge that wasn't written down in the past but is conveyed through their grandparents and and their traditions and um, you know in proudly indigenous crafts and designs, the reason that uh, that we like to be part of that is that they truly respect whatever we are creating and they, they it's not a competition between the artists it's more like a cooperative mutually respective um, venture that we're all engaged in to help promote a uh, seal and fur and to also educate others about indigenous culture and heritage and our great respect and love for animals and this planet
0: Thank you, ladies. I'm telling you, I went down a rabbit hole looking at your website and down all the Instagram pages of each of the designers and the creators, and my jaw was on the floor. Absolutely beautiful, as you said, wearable art. So I encourage everybody to go over and follow. So let's wrap this up. Can you please share the website where people can find you?
6: Absolutely. So it's proudlyindigenouscrafts.com.
0: All right. We're going to put that on the podcast in the liner notes when it goes live. And thank you so much for joining me today, Cheryl and April.
6: Thank you so much, Candice. It was lovely meeting you.
1: Thank you. I can't
3: remember the worst December Just watch
1: those icicles fall What do I care if icicles fall?
0: At a time when corporate greed is running amok, it's nice to know that socially conscious businesses that give back to their communities still exist. Case in point, love is warm. Warm Social Coats is the first socially conscious winter coat company. That means that for every coat sold, another coat is donated to a Canadian in need. One for one, same coat, same warmth. Joining me now to share more is founder Jordan Britton. Welcome to What She Said, Jordan.
8: Thanks for having me, Candice.
0: I just want to let you know you you have the distinct honor of being the first man I've had on the show in 2023. So. Oh my
8: goodness. Well, I feel very privileged <laughs> to have this honor. Thank you very much, Candace.
0: So I, I'm absolutely, though, I'm in love with your company. So tell me more about Warm Social Coats and how it's different from other winter coat companies out there.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So um, winter coats are something where, especially us as Canadians, we know that they're a absolute necessity. We have really cold winters, And so the whole reason that this all came about is I saw a problem. I saw a problem of people not having winter coats. Um, There's hundreds of thousands of people in our country that don't have winter coats through our coldest months, which is a huge problem. And so I know that Canadians do care. Their love is warm. And given the opportunity, I think that our country is very good at banding together under situations like this and This is a case in point where now people can actually help other people stay warm and get through our brutal winters.
0: Tell me about the coats though themselves, like because I'm looking at them online and the quality seems exceptional. I mean, these are just gorgeous coats on par with what I would see in many high-end stores.
8: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And that's part of what we want to achieve. So um, a coat from us is, is designed to accomplish two things and one that it gets gives somebody the chance to have something very high quality very warm that they're really going to enjoy um and then two that it also contributes to directly putting a winter coat onto somebody that wouldn't be able to put a coat on themselves um and that can you know that can be for a variety of reasons and everybody's been there in a situation where they need help from time to time and um yeah that's part of the reason that that keeps us going
0: Tell me about some of the Canadian charities you've partnered with then.
8: Mm -hmm. So our first charity partner was Project Warmth Society of Alberta, and they were perfect. You know, like we have warm in our name. Um, That's our mission. So when we reached out, we were looking for a charity that would be fitting to give um, the coats to the communities that, that need them the most. And they are the experts in that area. So. Um, we did our homework. We were researching, calling around, and then right from the very first phone call from them, we were like, yeah, this is the one. Like, they were super enamored. Um, their energy was fantastic. They really spend day in and day out trying to help people survive our coldest months. And obviously, that resonated with us. And so um, that's where we've had now two donation shipments one with our men's coats and one with our women's coats.
0: So you offer more than just winter coats as well, right? So what what other products do you offer?
8: Yeah, so we also do hoodies, and these are um, hoodies that are designed to be in Canada. They're lined with polar fleece. They're thick. They're, um, you know, I've, I've had a lot of feedback from customers saying that it's basically like a light winter jacket, so they can't even wear it inside really, because um, these things are very warm. And again, that's part of what we want to do. We want to provide something warm, but then we also want to provide something that is going to contribute to to getting more resources that are what we call the essentials, like a winter coat in winter.
0: By purchasing a hoodie, does it provide another hoodie or does that go towards a coat?
8: It goes towards more coats for people in need. So at the end of the day, like um, we kind of what the, the logic that we use is that, you know, a hoodie is very nice in winter, but if you're going through winter without a winter coat, that by far is the, the priority. Um, we have warm, warm winter coats that are designed to keep you warm through all of our season, um, which can be, you know, ranging from something mild to something really, really intense. And when we have something really, really intense, we need a big, thick, nice down jacket to help keep us warm.
0: Well, March across Canada is definitely coming in like a lion, so we still need our winter coats. But as spring approaches, do you have any plans for people who may not be thinking about winter coats?
8: Yeah, well, actually, you are will be the first to know this because we are launching merino um, Marina, Marina wool shirts and prima cotton um, shirts as well. And these, And I don't know if you know anything about uh, merino wool but it's something that it's designed to help you keep you at a comfortable temperature whether you're in something very hot or whether you're in something very um, cold and it's designed to help have a, a regular regulatory effect on your body through any temperature and what's crazy about it is that you know these the, this clothing doesn't get it you know when you, when you wear a shirt and you, you, you go, i gotta wash this shirt like and you you don't need to wash it as much because of how good i uh, hope quality and good the shirt is itself so we're very excited for that and at the end of the day like I said all of those shirts are going to contribute for more winter coats and so we want to have a spring drop a summer drop and have basically to have a donation ready by the time our cold season hits that we have coats to bring to the hands of people who need it right when we get cold.
0: Well, I'm telling you, this warms my heart. So I love it, Jordan. I hope everybody hops on over and finds you. So where can they do that?
8: Yeah, so we're available on social media at warm.coats on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. That's where you'll be able to find us. And then our website is www.loveiswarm.org.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jordan.
8: Yeah, thanks for having me, Candice.
0: Alexis Lynn is an indigenous singer-songwriter from Surrey, British Columbia. A captivating performer with a honeyed vocal and edge underneath it, Alexis crafts deceptively sweet pop anthems that never shy away from her ethos of honesty and empowerment. Inspired by the worlds of pop and R&B, her music radiates confidence and examines our insecurities in equal measure. Alexis joins me now to discuss her latest album, Real Talk, before we play the single Something to Prove for You in its entirety. Welcome to the show, Alexis.
9: Hi, thank you for having me.
0: So we have like three minutes and we're going to just jump (laughs) into this really deep conversation about the meaning
9: behind Real Talk. So can you tell me a little about it? Yeah um, I started writing uh, Real Talk the album in 2020 and um, I didn't initially set out to write an album I wasn't really planning on doing it and I think um, the pandemic just allowed for a lot of time um, alone and a lot of time of self-reflection and it kind of all just came out and um, I had a lot of time to you know process some things that I might not have had a chance to do before um, and all the songs that I was writing I realized that they were really cohesive and it just became this full project um, and it felt really important and it felt really authentic and raw and I I knew it was something that was important to me and might be important to someone else as well.
0: So we're going to play Something to Prove, but this song has gone viral on TikTok. Can you tell me a little bit about that and
9: what the song's about? Yeah, yeah. so um, I wrote Something to Prove, um, actually as a spinoff. Of, there was a different um, kind of a trend on TikTok about this song, Complex, um, about having this... Um, Um, kind of relationship male validation complex, but I wrote it from the perspective of um, a bisexual woman, Um, because I think uh, societally there's a lot of pressure of, Um, you know if it's your worth or your value as a woman or what you bring to the table often that's only validated societally is seen um, by that of a man Um, and so I think it was kind of um, it was really personal and I didn't really expect it to touch so many people and I didn't realize how common of an experience it was um, with by women and with the community Um, so that was it was a big shock to me but I think it was um, I think it kind of speaks again to you know the more personal your songs are the more um, authentic they are it really resonates with other people as well.
0: Alright, so before we play the song then I want people to be able to uh, follow along. I'm going to presume you're on TikTok. Uh, but where else can they find you?
9: Yeah, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, um, all of social media as Alexis Lynn Music, and I'm on all streaming platforms as Alexis Lynn.
0: Alright, let's listen to the song right now. Thanks,
1: Alexis. Thank you. I've been chasing something so far. Trying to catch it, dancing on bars. Shameless gay lingers, so dirty Isn't that what makes me worthy? She makes me nervous He makes me numb He grinds my teeth Bye.